Cumberland Podcast. My name is Chris Fleming. I'm the adult ministry coordinator for the discipleship ministry team of the Ministry Council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And we're here with the first lectionary podcast for the year. It's going to be Epiphany Sunday. That's going to be the text for January the 5th. Uh, But before we get into that, I wanted to let you know about a resource the discipleship ministry team is offering that you might be interested in. One of the things that happens when I go and visit churches is that the conversation normally begins something like this. Our church is just getting older. People can't volunteer. We don't have the resources that we used to, and so on and so forth. Well, the discipleship ministry team is starting a program called One Book, One Church, and the hope of this program is to invite as many people as we can, church leaders, pastors, elders, Sunday school teachers, youth group leaders, individual Christians in your church, to journey with us as we uh, introduce the church to new books and new resources that will help us grow our churches and get them stronger. The first book that we've chosen is called Growing Young, Six Essential Strategies to Help Young People Discover and Love Your Church. It's written by Kara Powell, Jake Mulder, and Brad Griffin. The inside uh, cover of the publisher's review uh, goes like this. All churches grow old. Strategic churches grow young. Across the United States, churches are losing both members and vitality as increasing numbers of young people disengage. Based on groundbreaking research with over 250 of the nation's leading congregations, Growing Young provides a strategy that any church can use to involve and retain teenagers and young adults. It profiles innovative churches that are engaging 15 to 29-year-olds and as a result are growing spiritually, emotionally, missionally, and numerically. Packed with both research and practical ideas, Growing Young shows pastors and ministry leaders how to position their churches to engage younger generations in a way that breathes vitality, life, and energy into the whole church. So beginning in January, join our DMT with individuals at your church, your church sessions, small group leaders, Sunday school classes, and more as we read this book together. So what we're going to do, if you go to Facebook and you uh, go to the Discipleship Ministry Facebook page, you'll see that there's an event called Growing Young. You can uh, like that page and you'll be able to uh, access our group discussion. So we're going to each week have a little bit of a discussion time, sharing with one another how we can implement some of these strategies or talk these strategies out or share with one another things that have worked in our congregations. So our goal is that uh, in doing these uh, books, book studies together, our churches will be strengthened and we can share with one another and, and grow the church to the glory of God. So that's the first thing I wanted to let you know about. Now we move on to Epiphany Sunday. So these will be the text uh, for January the 5th. Uh, the text are Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 6, Psalm 72, 1 through 7, 10 through 14, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And if you're a follower of the lectionary, the uh, Episcopal Church uh, has daily collects that they use for each Sunday, and the one for Epiphany Sunday is this. O God, by the leading of your star, you manifested your only Son to the peoples of the earth. Lead us, who know you now by faith, to your presence, where we may see your glory face to face. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So Epiphany, if you haven't grown up in a church that follows the liturgical calendar or uh, observes these holy days, Uh, Epiphany Sunday is the day we commemorate the wise men, or the magi, or the kings, uh, coming to Christ, giving him the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It is the time that we celebrate that 
God has now uh, laid forth the mystery of his salvation from the Jews to the Gentiles. Merriam-Webster defines epiphany as an appearance or manifestation, especially of a divine being. Uh, also as a sudden manifestation or perception of the essential nature or meaning of something. And finally, it says it's a revealing scene or moment, right? And this is what uh, happens when Christ is born. We now know and see uh, God's plan throughout history is found in the birth and the incarnation of God in Christ. So all those definitions we read from Merriam-Webster are true. We are celebrating the dawning of a, of a light to the Gentiles. The whole world now knows about this King Jesus. Not only the Jews, but all people have been given the revelation of God and humanity in Jesus Christ the King. Now, to address the issue of whether these were magi or wise men or kings, we really don't know. Throughout the history of Christian thought, there's been disagreement about who or what they actually were. The Greek word that is used in the New Testament is definitely magi. There's a long tradition, though, that these three uh, were kings. Uh, and that comes from the Isaiah passage and the Psalm passage that we're reading in connection with the lectionary for this week. Uh, also in the book of Daniel, though, you find that he spent 70 years with magi, which is uh, in, in the east. And those were people who, who meddled in astrology and interpretation of omens. But traditionally... The church has said that these are kings because of the Isaiah and the Psalm passage. The common theme for this week, for the readings and the Sunday itself, is that God in Christ has ushered in a new era where all people, slave or free, male or female, poor or rich, Jew or Gentile, are included in the abundant heavenly provisions offered in being part of God's family. When we talk about the light in these uh, passages or, or these lectionary texts, we understand that this light is not something physical, but it's something spiritual. It's light in the sense that now we can see clearly God's plan. God is a light in a darkened spiritual world. C.S. Lewis once wrote, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And so C.S. Lewis understands this coming of Christ as a way to see the world. We, we believe in Christ because through Christ we see things accurately. And that's what epiphany is. It's this sudden transformation of coming from dark to light and understanding what's happening. So this light transforms our understanding of reality. Everything is turned upside down, or if you're a Christian, it's all turned right side up. And having seen this light, we understand that the kings of the earth are subject to King Jesus. But here's the beautiful part, at least in these passages. It's not that the kings of the earth are brought down by mighty waters like the Egyptian army, but instead they submit. They don't lose everything and become poor, but instead they have access to and are showered with abundance from God. It's in the same way the poor and the needy are showered with riches, in the same manner as the kings of the earth. So in other words, the kings aren't brought down in humility, but in humility they submit to King Jesus. And then the poor and the needy come to King Jesus, and they are given both the spiritual abundance and the blessings that we find in God. Uh, I'll illustrate it by this. One of the most famous moments of Margaret Thatcher's time as prime minister was her last time being questioned by the UK Parliament. And one of the opposition members was criticizing her because of the wealth gap between the poor and the rich. He said that it had widened to a great extent. She responded by saying, what the honorable member is saying is that he would rather the poor be poor, provided that the rich were less rich. That was on November 22, 1990. 
She went on to say, so long as the gap is smaller, they would rather have the poor poor, but you don't create wealth and opportunity that way. Thatcher, whatever her politics, isn't right, at least in the kingdom of God, there doesn't have to be poor. There's only an abundance for all people. And that's the central theme in our passage today, all of our passages, that there's an abundance of God's provision for all people. All people must come to God, and in God, we're all treated the same. No one has to be dirt poor and other people be rich. It doesn't have to necessarily be reversed. It's that we all partake in God's abundant riches. It's shown in the Isaiah passage uh, where it says, Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes, look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. In the psalm passage, starting at verse 11, it says, All kings shall bow down before him, and all nations do him service. For he shall deliver the poor who cries out in distress, and the oppressed who have no helper. He shall have pity on the lowly and the poor. He shall preserve the lives of the needy. In the Ephesians Ephesians passage, uh, Paul talks about becoming uh, the uh, apostle of the gospel. He says that he's become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given him by the working of God's power. He acknowledges that he's the very least of all the saints, but that grace was given him to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the mystery of God hidden for ages in Christ Jesus. Right? So, He sees himself as the least of all people, but he's bringing great riches, spiritual riches, to everyone. And in the Matthew passage, we have this actual um, happening where these kings or magi or wise men bring their greatest gifts or gifts of great importance and bow before the king. So that's what it is. It's that everybody has a place in this mystery of God, the salvation that's given everyone. There's abundance for everybody. And there's a progression in these passages, too. You may want to note if you're going to preach through these texts. In the Isaiah passage, the focus seems to be on the response of people toward God. So in the Isaiah passage, God is lifted up as a light in a dark spot, and then people then are drawn toward it. Kings, nations, sons and daughters, they all come and respond. They go from one place to God, responding to that light. In the psalm passage, however, the focus seems to be on the actions uh, toward the people of God's actions to his people, so or God's people. <clears throat> it says, The king will rule with righteousness and justice. The king brings prosperity. The king defends the poor and the oppressed. The king crushes the oppressor. oppressor. The king has pity on and preserves the life of the poor. So you see that progression. God is the light people come to him. God becomes king, Christ the king, and then Christ acts on behalf of of the people. In the Ephesians passage, we turn toward the individual. So again, in the Isaiah passage, this group of people are coming to the light. In the Psalm passage, uh, Christ as the king is establishing a righteous kingdom. And then in the Ephesians passage, we talk about, or Paul talks about an individual response toward the epiphany. He says the mystery of God was made known to him by revelation, but then he connects it with the purpose of his epiphany. He says, although I'm the very least of all saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plain, uh, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. And so 
in this, we're reminded that we don't receive the grace of God or the or an epiphany, this revealing of God's salvation just for ourselves, but instead we're called to share that. Uh, Paul says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So we go and tell about the love, grace, and abundant life that's in Christ. This light, this epiphany, this new understanding makes us ambassadors of Jesus Christ, and we spread the news to all people, inviting all people to come to the source of, of blessing. And then in the gospel passage, we see how this revelation or epiphany manifests itself in the motives uh, of people. So in the gospel passage, we have the juxtaposition uh, between King Herod and the Magi. We understand that everybody on this earth is seeking something. We're all seeking purpose or we're seeking sufficiency. We're seeking belonging, whatever it may be. And this light has dawned and invites us to seek in humility uh, the things that God has in store, but light also exposes the hearts of humanity, and it may cause some to try to extinguish that light. And so the epiphany is a choice that we all face. We can be like Herod, who once we understand something great has happened, we can seek to extinguish it, or we're like the Magi, and we seek, and we submit, and live in the light. So I pray for you to, that uh, you preach this with power, that uh, the people in your congregation or in your classroom or even the people that uh, you, you disciple throughout the week uh, come to a moment of epiphany and make the choice to live in the light of God. So, uh, gracious God, I pray that you would give power to our preachers, that you would give wisdom to our teachers, that you would give a receiving heart to all who they minister to this week. I pray that... Uh, this coming week, we as the Cumberland Presbyterian Church glorify your name in, in what we do, what we say, how we live in this world. God, thank you for Jesus Christ. Amen.